Swing and a drive. Get up, ball. Get out of here. And gone. And they are the city of champions again. Edmonton Eskimos. Great cup champs. McDavid set up by Drysaddle. Another breakaway. This time, he wins it. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. And a good Tuesday morning to you, September 19th, four degrees in um, the city of champions, the capital region, looking for a high of about 17 degrees today. Maybe you're a little tired today because of that, what, four-hour Pittsburgh-Cleveland game last night. Man, it was a long game, Uh, very uneventful except for a few plays again, and running backs in the NFL are dropping like flies maybe more so this year than you can remember. Um, man, and bad injuries. Um, the Nick Chubb injury was so bad they didn't even want to show it, which you kind of look back to all the, the worst injuries. For our uh, listeners, uh, text in, what do you think are the worst injuries that you've seen in sport? Everyone talks about Joe Theismann, for sure. Uh, one, 833-401-1440. What's the worst injury you probably saw? In a sporting event, most of them, I guess, are in football. You see, you know, a lot of them kind of in basketball when they're rolling ankles or taking a knee down or extending, hyperextending something. But, man, there's been so many bad, bad injuries uh, in uh, in football for sure. And I think Joe Theismann, again, probably the one that everyone seems to remember the most. Uh, in hockey, maybe it's, I don't know, Clint Malarchuk uh, when he – Took the uh, the skate to the throat. It was uh, very hard to watch for sure. So, and uh, hey, how about that? Uh, Linda put the coffee on. That's uh, you know what? Uh, I used to sing that to an old my old news anchor at ITV, Linda Steele. I would sing it to her every day. Linda put the coffee on. She loved it. Why wouldn't she? What a great song. Uh, so Duke, you're going to be busy. The Duke of Delburn uh, chimes in now with, uh, well, I mean after last night, and I mean Saquon Barkley. Probably three weeks for sure. Um, so you and Connor Halley, the former Rochep T Bird, will be very busy today at eleven o'clock with Fantasy Frenzy because again, running backs are going down like crazy. Uh, Nick Chubb probably gone for the year, you would think. Uh, yeah, all reports saying that yeah. for sure. And I mean, after if uh, if you were brave enough to try and find uh, mm-hmm. a replay or even just some photos uh, on Twitter. After then, because like you said, the broadcast wouldn't even show it. It is, it's tough to watch, yeah. and uh, I don't see any situation in which somebody that goes through something like that no. is able to get back on an athletic surface uh, anytime soon, if uh, ever again. And had it happened to him seven or eight years ago, same thing. Yeah, when he was with Georgia, same yeah. knee, virtually the same type of injury, and that last time it was a dislocated kneecap and every tendon in his knee torn. Um, Really, really mm-hmm. ugly stuff. Brutal. Text text comes in. Kevin Ware, March Madness, snapping his leg in half in the final four. Yes, that uh, was the top of my list. That was top of your list. Ones, yeah, yeah. Um, again, just hard to watch. I mean, these guys put so much into their training, and, and I mean their their careers. And then you know you see something in a split second. It's uh, it's done. Yeah, shoot us off a text one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. What uh, do you think is one of the worst injuries? Uh, that you've seen. So, I mean, 
Jerome Ford looked pretty good last night coming in for Nick Chubb. He'd be at the top of the list. He's actually rostered in our Doopies League already, but I think he'd be top of the list. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be a kind of reoccurring Tuesday thing on Fantasy mm-hmm. Frenzy. We do a little uh, round table with um, other producer here, Declan Kruger, and if uh, another guest, we're going to have Gavin yeah. uh, Turnek from Oilers Nation in with us today as well. So I think there will be a lot of conversations about running backs, and I certainly think Jerome Ford will uh, will top the list. And yeah, he he looked pretty good in fill and duty. I mean, it, it seemed the Browns were incapable of running the ball when they needed to in the in the fourth quarter. Um, and the Steelers seemingly kind of turned it on when it mattered most, and all of a sudden they were able to to get chunk plays off in the run game. But disappointing for the Browns on several fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, the they, loss stings, of course, but I think all the teammates, coaches, and organization are uh, – that's maybe in the second on their mind uh, on a day like today after the injury to, to Nick Chubb. They gave the game away, let's oh, be honest. 100%. They gave the game away. They were the better team last night. Two defensive touchdowns. Uh, one on a pick six, uh, one on a defensive forced fumble. Um, Watt was great again last night, uh, becomes the all-time sacks leader in Pittsburgh Steelers history, which is quite amazing. I mean, when you think about all the guys that they've had, steel curtain-wise over the years, et cetera, et cetera, some great players, Harrison, things like that. But, um, you know, T.J. Watt was uh, a beast last night. That defense won them the game um, last night. Tony Jones, couple touchdowns for New Orleans. Um, having said that, I mean, one more week, I guess, and until Alvin Kamara comes back. So maybe he can fill a gap for some, you know, some fantasy players, uh, you know, for a week or so. And who knows what Kamara is going to do when he comes back. But uh, Tony Jones looked pretty good last night. Yeah, it was disappointing. I had a, uh, a little wager on uh, a couple guys I own in different fantasy leagues, both Jamal Williams and Nick Chubb, to each yeah. score a touchdown. It was... Uh, a nice little just plus plus sign on the payout <laughs> side of things, but both of them leave the game with injury. And um, yeah, Jamal Williams, we didn't hear much about that, obviously overshadowed by the Nick Chubb injury, uh, but he left the game quite early as well and didn't return. So I wonder if he uh, will miss some extended time too and if it will be Jones's uh, backfield for the next couple weeks here. And they are still um, without rookie Kendrick Kendra Miller, Miller as well yeah. if he is he's if he's going to come back in the fold and get some uh, touches too. So yeah, lots of, lots of speculation, lots of things up in the air um, heading into uh, waiver wire day for fantasy football. Well, they targeted Kendra Miller, uh, New Orleans, uh, uh, out of the draft and uh, but he just he's been hurt he's been hurt for a long time um, is he the guy down the road who's who knows but um, then the other one I mean basically is Matt Breida now the guy in in New York with the Giants I guess because with with Saquon Barkley out three weeks I mean they don't have a lot of depth in their backfield in New York uh, with the Giants what would you say I guess for that one for fantasy uh, players I guess moving forward yeah, until there's moves made, uh, Breida looks like he's going to be the guy. And, and all of a sudden now with injuries piling up and not a lot of available available bodies out there and a couple teams a little thin on depth, some of these free agent names are all of a sudden starting yeah. to look like better and better options, whether it be Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt. Um, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he's a couple weeks away from coming off the pup list and being eligible again. And doesn't look like him and um, Jim Irsay have uh, settled their differences at all. So I'm sure he still prefer to be playing somewhere else um, moving forward. So, you know, a team like the Browns who've kind of went all in a little bit, you know, yeah. they, they shored up their defense. Uh, they've paid some well, an unprecedented amount of money and guaranteed to Deshaun Watson, who continues to look underwhelming in virtually every regard. And 
a guy like Jonathan Taylor, I think, would could do wonders for them in the in the backfield if um, if maybe they they see another week of Jerome Ford here and aren't quite satisfied with what he can provide, or or even just bringing another body. Or Kareem Hunt, already very familiar with their backfield, of course, being there the last couple seasons too. So there's uh, there's there's names out there to be had for nothing more than money, and then there are a couple names maybe available on the trade market too. So very very curious. Sterfimer says poor Chubb, he looked devastated, lots of pain. Yeah, Al. Uh, says Clint Malarchuk, we touched on that off the top. If you uh, can recall uh, a devastating, uh, uh, one of the worst sports injuries, uh, let us know. one 401 So many over the years. Um, there was one I was, uh, I, was I kind of, it, it, it just sort of triggered when I was thinking about it last night was uh, Jessica Dubay, figure skater. And she was uh, Canadian, so probably 15, 16 years ago, kind of uh, her partner slashed her face. Uh, They're trying to do a spin and a lift and everything like that. That one was a tough one for sure. Because we've seen that. I mean, how about Evander Kane? I mean, that, I mean, that one's, I, I, I mean, that, you know, cost him half a season. Probably, who knows how close it could have been to, and it was close to being very, very, very serious. Never mind how serious it already was, but very tough uh, for sure. Also, uh, yesterday uh, when we went off the air, right about that time, the Columbus Blue Jackets held their news conference with Yarmar Kekalainen, John Davidson. I This thing is, it just still stinks. It smells. It's awful. Um the transparency was kind of there, more so, I think, on Davidson's part. Davidson said, I am very disappointed. We went through a process earlier this summer prior to hiring Mike Babcock as our head coach, but we got it wrong. That's on us. You know, a lot of people are comparing Mike Babcock to John Tortorella. I see some things, but the one thing that cannot be further, if you talk to players, John Tortorella has his players back all of their backs. Uh, Mike Babcock, we've seen through what he's done, doesn't have that. Now, um, probably the more alarming, um, I guess the, uh, when you think about what Jarmo Kekalainen said yesterday, that he was, he, he was asked and participated in the exercise with the phone to introduce his family to Babcock. Uh, he said he didn't have a problem with it, but now he understands how um, that could put some people in an awkward spot. So he knew about this long ago, but didn't think anything was wrong with it. So that's a problem for sure. We will discuss some of that with David Alter at 720 from the Hockey News, but uh, probably focus a lot more on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, a lot of news with the Leafs and some big signings, uh, little pieces like Ryan Reeves and and Max Domi uh, in Toronto. So uh, we'll focus uh, on the Leafs primarily with David Alter uh, from the Hockey News at 720. So uh, looking forward to that conversation because, uh, I mean, like, love them or hate them, there are a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs fans in Edmonton and area and Montreal Canadian fans for that matter too. Uh, that's just the way it goes with the original six back in the day. Um, Oilers get ready for camp tomorrow. Medicals, fitness testing, 
Uh, today is the Barry Cates Media Golf Tournament. Uh, Lori Mun- Ann Munzer will be riding shotgun with me. No. <laughs> Could you imagine after yesterday how she's trying to help uh, this dummy with his golf game? Uh, what if it changes? What if all of a sudden uh, one or two little mental tips, Duke? And then next thing you know, I'm, I've turned into the best player that comes out to this. Uh, Dustin Schwartz, the Oilers goaltending coach last year. I think he was, I think he's a, like a scratch golfer or whatever with his, he was on fire yesterday. They won going away, uh, his team, I remember. But uh, I don't know. It's an exciting, and you know what? You can ask any media guy. You give a free lunch, free golf, and a free supper, they'll be lining up. Down the road, Duke. This is this is your future. This is your future, Duke. Well, you had me at free lunch. That's <laughs> that's for sure. Um, who uh, who's going to be in your group today? Or do you not know? Do you show yeah, up and, and get registered? We'll register. Uh, you know, in the afternoon, and it's and and the Oilers have been just phenomenal with this. You register, and then you know, uh, you just you you have to give your handicap, and then they sort of just try to make the teams as even as possible. Uh, but it's with the coaching staff, video staff, management. Uh, after uh, they sent a little bit of a release out yesterday and said uh, Ken Hall and Jeff Jackson will sort of do a little bit of a, a fireside chat. And most of uh, most of the time uh, in years past, it's kind of like it's just off the record stuff and and no reporters go on and, and say this is what was said at, at the at the media golf tournament uh, just because a lot of the stuff is totally off the record. And, and, and it's not like people are saying big, big things, big stuff. So it's more just a, a get-together with the media to try to get things going for, for the season, which is, again, starting tomorrow. And then, I mean, exhibition season is here on Sunday. Uh, it's not like it used to be with camp. So uh, 8 o'clock, uh, Mark Spector, engineered by Booster Juice. Uh, he will join us as he does every day at 8. Uh, our daily headliner for Mr. Rooter is Frank Saravelli. And Frank had some candid comments about uh, Yarmo Kekalainen. So we will uh, check in with Frank at 8.20. Our co-host every Tuesday is Grant Fuhrer, the Hall of Famer. So he will join us from Coachella Valley, and he's just been fabulous. So we had so much fun last week uh, with uh, Kelly Rudy and, and uh, Charlie Huddy with Grant. So uh, I'm sure Grant will have some interesting comments as well and talk a little bit about how he's preparing uh, for the season because he's the uh, color commentator for uh, Coachella Valley. Uh, at 9.20, uh, Carmen DeFalco from ESPN 1000 in Chicago will guest with us. And then uh, a former teammate of Grant's at 10 o'clock, Norm Lacombe, who actually has quite interesting stories. Um, uh, he just got back from Czech, uh, where he puts on schools, puts on, um, takes players over there it's and, and try to experience what it's like to play hockey over there. And, of course, they had a lot of, uh, uh, you know, connections with all the Czech players and things like that. So um, Norm Lacombe, uh, Grant Fuhrer's former teammate, will join us at 10. And then at 10.20, Jeff Fletcher from the uh, Orange County Register will uh, be our guest uh, talking, for the most part, Shohei Otani, um, basically, probably, not probably. I, I, be, I mean, it would be the longest of shots for him to return to the LA Angels. Um, but we will check in with uh, Jeff Fletcher at 1020. When we come back, we will uh, hook up with David Alter of the Hockey News and the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. 
All right, welcome back to the big program, 721 in the Capital Region, as we welcome in David Alter from the Hockey News and uh, primarily covers the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, David, welcome to the show. How are things going in Toronto this morning? They are okay. They are a little cold in the morning, but other than that, it is okay. It's just a sign that falls around the corner, and so is hockey. Oh, for sure it is. For sure it is. Um, I don't think Mike Babcock was on the Christmas card mailing list for a lot of Maple Leaf fans, but what's been the reaction in Toronto over the course of events in the last week or so? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, uh, the reaction in Toronto has been kind of not muted like people are kind of watching it and figuring out okay this isn't the real surprise this is familiar but you know they kind of the Leafs I should say kind of washed their hands of this a well long time ago when they they made that decision to dismiss him back in November of 2019 and so um, you know I think they they weren't necessarily surprised to see him get back into the hockey circles and Certainly people do deserve a chance, but um, once stuff came out that, you know, his methods really hadn't changed, even with Columbus, it's uh, it's not a real surprise on these side of uh, on these side of things. And what it's really done now is made for uh, three less anticipated dates on the Leafs schedule. I had them kind of circled when the Leafs were playing the Blue Jackets and now, you know, they don't hold as much weight in, in that regard. So uh, unfortunately, it came out to, to the way it came out. But, uh, you know, Leafs fans have just been kind of being like, see, I told you, or whatever. And then, for the most part, they're really just kind of focused on uh, the task at hand in terms of what this team is all about and what they're trying to do for this upcoming season. David Alters, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. Before we get uh, into a deeper dive with the Leafs, uh, you posted an article this morning uh, regarding uh, – the Buffalo Bills and a couple of the Leafs at the game on the weekend. It's, it's, it's a neat story. So for our listeners, you can check it out on the hockey news, uh, David Alter, um, just your, your Genesis of trying to, uh, when you thought of the article, I mean, Dylan cousins of the Sabres was involved. So, um, just your thoughts on when you put this together, what kind of reaction you thought it would get? Yeah, so I was watching football like anybody else was on Sunday. I'm a big Detroit Lions fan, so I wasn't watching that game. Um, but um, I saw that Mitch Marner and Morgan Riley were spotted with Buffalo Bills jerseys from some Leaf fans. You know, Buffalo is only an hour and a half drive away from Toronto. Uh, so there's a lot of Bills fans that are located in Toronto. And, of course, Mitch Marner grew up in Toronto and is a Bills fan as well. And the Buffalo Bills social account... Uh, welcomed some friends from the north with photos of Morgan Riley and, and Mitch Marner. A lot of Sabres fans seem to have a bit of an issue with that. And so I'm of an age now where actually before I started covering hockey, when I was working at an all-sports radio station here in Toronto, one of my main assignments was covering the Bills-Toronto series. And if you recall, that's when mm-hmm. the Bills actually played a regular season home game at Rogers Center in Toronto annually between 2008 and 2012. And then, of course, you know, MLSC was reported to have made a bid for the Bills before the Pagula family bought them in 2014 after Ralph Wilson passed away. So there's a history between Bills fans and Canadian football fans in terms of the concern that the Bills, for a long time, thought they were just going to lose their team economically. And um, Toronto was always kind of seen as a threat. 
and Buffalo sports fans are among the most passionate I've ever met. And um, when they saw this, I don't think there was enough of an education there to kind of understand that, look, you know, the NFL does a lot of regionalization marketing. The Buffalo Bills at one point had 20% of their season ticket base out of Ontario. Mm-hmm. So, so I think people were just kind of quick to rush the judgment here. And it's not like they made a big deal out of this. It was one innocent social media post, but you know, it's been tough being a Buffalo sports fan, except the bills are actually really good now and there's reason to be excited about them. So um, yeah, I just thought it was kind of interesting that, there's a lot of history behind this and a lot of people just don't realize, look, if this, if there was an NFL team in the Toronto market, no mm-hmm. big deal. But, um, <laughs> you know, th- there's a lot of Bills fans that are, that live in Toronto and, and, uh, the fact that, uh, because it was Maple Leafs and because, you know, there's even reports that the Bills are try or the Sabres, which are owned by the same family are trying to limit Leaf fans from coming down to invade those games. Yeah. Maybe it's creating a lot more bad blood than perhaps there usually is because I don't remember seeing it this bad in in quite a, in quite some time in terms of the angst between both fan bases. Good article. Uh, check it out on uh, the Hockey News. David Alter is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. Um, as for the Leafs uh, heading into this season, um, the bigger storylines uh, I, I would imagine uh, William Nylander is near the top of the list, if not at the top of the list. Um, can, I mean, he becomes a UFA at the end of the year. Can the Leafs um, keep him? What are they going to do with William Nylander? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, uh, the Leafs have a lot of time to kind of figure that out in terms of if he's the right fit and the priority or if they need to use that cap hit to kind of go in a different direction and, and perhaps bring some other pieces in. But... I think once Austin Matthews signed, at least that cleared the landscape in terms of what the Leafs situation is with him. It was difficult when they had Austin Matthews still not extended, but he got extended and it was a marginal increase from his already high uh, salary that was already given to him earlier in his career. And so I think this just plays out for a little while. And if he continues to go on this toward clip where he's forcing the issue. Maybe the Leafs do something about it. But this is a year where the Leafs have a lot of pending free agents like Tyler Bertuzzi, like a lot of the newcomers that they just brought, right? Like Max Domi, mm-hmm. like a whole bunch. He could just be lumped in with a lot of the other decisions that they make later on. Those guys, not Nylander, but the other guys who signed one-year deals are eligible for contract extensions on January 1st. And so maybe you wait because if Tyler Bertuzzi ends up being the player they had hoped to be, maybe the priority switches and they have to use some of that money on someone like him for a longer term deal. So it's going to be tough. Like it's not clear and it's really just going to be dependent on how all of these other players perform in the first couple of months of the season to kind of see what cream rises to the top. You got a text regarding the Toronto Maple Leafs. Send it off to us one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. And we know there are a lot of Leaf fans because we see them all in the lower bowl for every warm up uh, whenever the Maple Leafs are here. Uh, you touched on a couple of those guys uh, as we speak with David Alter from the Hockey News. Um, first, let's let's discuss Max Domi. 
you know, everyone knows about the bloodlines and uh, what this is like as far as of a homecoming, growing up, uh, you know, watching his dad and being a part of the organization. How much of a factor do you think Max Domi can have on this season with the Leafs? I think he could be a little bit of a difference maker from a depth standpoint if he brings some of that uh, some of that physical play that that Brad Tree Living is looking to bring. Like he he specifically quoted piss and vinegar in guys like Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi as an element uh, that those guys bring that the Leafs particularly mm-hmm. didn't have before him. So they're going to expect him to play on an edge and, and, and know how to ride that line properly and do it in a way that doesn't become a liability where they're shorthanded all the time or they're on the wrong side of officiating and, and the wrong side of the game within the game. So um, he has a bit of an offensive flair. It's not clear if he's going to play center or wing, although it, Brad Tree Living did kind of indicate wing might be where he starts. And then it's just a matter of does he go on that second or third line at that point. Um, I, I, the first line doesn't seem like where mm-hmm. he would start. That looks like it would be where Bertuzzi goes. So it's it's going to be interesting to see where where he can kind of fit into it. You mentioned the bloodlines. Of course, his father, Ty, played for the Leafs for a long time. Um, still very connected to the city of Toronto. It's just going to depend on how he handles this and and um, and fits into that room. He's been on so many different teams, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. He says it's a good thing. We'll see how it plays out. Our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 is uh, David Alter from the Hockey News. Uh, and some, well, you know, interesting comments uh, coming from Ryan Reeves. I guess it would be at the uh, Leafs golf tournament uh, recently. What exactly did Ryan Reeves say? Um, because I think it's something along the lines where I think Toronto fans were quite happy with it. Yeah, so basically he was asked about um, situations where, you know, he's going to keep things in line, and so not specifically referring to this example, but the example was brought up at the end of Game 5 when Nick Cousins scored the overtime winner to eliminate the Toronto Maple Leafs that – that uh, you had someone like Radko Gudis just screaming right into the face of Joseph Wall mm. afterwards. And and so Ryan Reeves, uh, in responding to that, said, you know, I'd like to see him try it, like if he was actually on the ice for that. So, and just kind of laughing that off, and that got, that got uh, quite the reaction. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a personality of someone like Ryan Reeves that the Leafs were interested in, uh, someone who can kind of help protect certain things, Everyone points to the fact that that situation happened afterwards and they're already eliminated, so who cares? However, um, there are situations where like a young rookie like Matthew Nyes got pile-driven into the ice by Sam Bennett earlier in the series and they lost him. And, and maybe if they have other guys like Ryan Reeves around and, and they have other guys to police players, that maybe something like that doesn't happen. Uh, but it's all revisionist history. The reason why Brad Tree Living came in and, and brought some of these other guys, it's pretty clear is that he wants more of a physical edge, not just in terms of hounding pucks and compete, but also to be an intimidating presence and to stand mm-hmm. up for guys. And, and it looks, it's clear he felt that that was missing. And so he did that with a lot of the supporting players that he brought in. So 
Uh, yeah, that got a lot of attention yesterday. The real question for Ryan Reeves is at 36 entering his 14th NHL season, is that enough along with his skill set to be an everyday NHLer? Or is there going to be times where he's not playing if it's a, a more skill demand game and not maybe so much a physical intense game? Yeah, but, I think, uh, the yeah. Leafs tend to do that. They change up their yeah. lineup quite a bit. Yeah, I think he's a 65-game-a-year guy now uh, and in the right situations is still um, quite effective um, as we speak with uh, David Alter from the Hockey News. Uh, When you look at the the salary cap for the Leafs, can you explain to our listeners exactly where the Maple Leafs are with a couple guys on long-term injured reserve? They call them candidates at this time of the season, but where are the Maple Leafs cap-wise? Yeah, so, okay... The way they're constructed right now, if they had to get under the, they don't have to be under the salary cap until a day before the regular season starts. So if everyone is healthy, minus Jake Muzzin, who's going to be on LTI, they have, like, actually, he already is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Murray will be placed on LTI before the season starts. They announced that already as well then the Leafs would have room for about 20 to 21 guys to be fully cap compliant. Now, the NHL permits you before the trade deadline to have as many as 23 players on an active roster, uh, provided you're under the salary cap. But the Leafs, the way they're constructed right now, would not be able to hold 23 guys. But with 20 to 21 players, the math works. So that's fine. But the other factor, and this is what a lot of people miss, and it's not their fault because the cap is a very convoluted process, is because you don't have to be under the salary cap until the day before the season starts, and there's seven preseason games and so many things that could happen, it just takes one player of about $2.5 million or more to have somewhat of a major injury or an injury that's going to be at least three weeks, and then the cap is not an issue anymore at least until that guy gets healthy. And my past experience covering hockey over the last 12 years, injuries are more likely to happen than not happen. Mm -hmm. So when you look at those, the money is very interchangeable that it'll, it'll work itself out. Go back to last season. They were over the cap and no one knew, but what ended up happening was the Leafs were able to dress 20 players. Exactly. They had 20 players. They couldn't carry any extra bodies. They were just at the cap. And then once Jake Muzzin was placed on long-term injured reserve, that cap hit was enough for them to call up three players because at that point the roster limit wasn't an issue anymore because they had the, the money in the LTI pool. So the Leafs will be fine carrying 20, 20 to 21 players as it stands right now. The real issue is are there more injuries that come between now and the beginning of the season mm-hmm. that push up the LTI threshold so they can – carry 23 guys people look at it and look like it's a cap issue i don't see a cap issue based on the way i know the cap is the way i know you're able to maneuver around the cap i should say yeah correct uh, one last one for you david alter of the hockey news um with strong strong implications to the uh, sports 1440 family uh noah gregor signed uh, a pto with the maple leafs the nephew of our uh, own jason gregor um what are his um, I guess chances of cracking this roster again with the cap implications, etc. He comes on a on a PTO. Um, he's a young player. He's fast. He's 
Um, he can show flashes of offensive brilliance um, at times. Um, what is his outlook uh, heading into Toronto Maple Leafs camp? Yeah, so I think in Noah Gregor's case, if he can force the issue and he's better than a Pontus Holmberg or some of the other guys on that fourth line or third line that he can really kind of squeak out one of these winger spots, I think it'd be okay. Like where he could he could sign a, a min deal mm-hmm. and they could get him on. The Leafs have always been able to make room for a PTO. They had Zach Aston Reese on a PTO last year and they signed him. Um, so whenever they have a PTO that they think could make the team, they, they find a way. And, and so like for all the other things I mentioned where they have all these contracts and they're over, they would just wave or send down other guys if Noah Gregor forces the issue. So he does bring a bit of a different element. Uh, I know he struggled with his shooting percentage early in the season uh, with San Jose and mm-hmm. then packed up a lot of the goals toward the end. And so uh, well, from the video that I've seen of him, he's a great playmaker, and I think that's what attracts the Leafs in that regard. So he can get to the, to the low end of the ice and set up plays. And so uh, they're hoping that the regression of the mean will kind of go in their favor and he's a bigger body that can kind of help with that. So I think it's 50-50, mm-hmm. but he really has to force the issue in order to earn that contract. Hey, uh, David, thanks so much for this. Uh, we'll hook up with you as the season progresses and uh, enjoy the start of the season. And boy, it's right around the corner, as you said. Oh, yeah, really excited. Thank you again for having me on. All right, that's David Alter from the Hockey News. Uh, check out his article regarding the Buffalo Bills and the Maple Leafs uh, heading down there. Uh, Mitch Marner, Morgan Riley, and then Dylan Cousins, uh, not happy about it, so he was uh, sent a little post out. So um, it's a neat perspective of uh, what happens in the, just in the, uh, in the horseshoe area of Toronto Buffalo. Uh, what do we got cooking here? We'll have Mark Spector at the top of the hour. Uh, text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. We'll get to some of your texts regarding uh, Ryan Reeves and uh, the coaching situation, and uh, one with Chuba Hubbard as well. Uh, that's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. You're not playing it because of that Jessica Dubé story I was talking about, are you, Duke? <laughs> <laughs> if you've got some of uh, uh, the worst injury that you've got on your mind in sports, uh, send it our way at one eight three three four zero one That's a bad comment. Uh, uh, Jessica Dubé is, was, was just fine, recovered well, um, had to deal with a lot of things, but uh, was back skating. So that uh, was one of the one of the worst injuries. If you've uh, got one, yeah, send it off. one 833 Not a lot of Ryan Reeves fans uh, coming into our text line from Al. The only thing Reeves will be popping this year is popcorn. Freezer bag. How is Reeves going to do anything as a healthy scratch? Ooh, well... That's, uh, I, as I said, I, I, intimidation is still a big part of the game. I think Ryan Reeves is probably going to play 60 games. I think it's, uh, he's one of the fiercest guys that can be on the ice when, if you're playing, you got to be aware. I mean, he just pounded that guy last year. I can't even remember who it was. Who was, if you remember Duke, that guy he laid out and then he, 
had the scrap. And I mean, he, he is still able to do his job at 36 years old. I don't, the contract is three years. It's not a good contract for time, a uh, length of uh, contract, uh, 1.3 million or something like that. But uh, I still think he is quite able to do the job that he is asked to do when he's in the lineup. And again, Intimidation is still a big, big part of the National Hockey League and how players do their job and what they can do to get other players on the opposition off their game. I wanted to touch on a text that came in quite earlier from the King of Fort Nasty. Good morning, KK and Duke. I was hoping to see the Panthers utilize local talent running back Chuba Hubbard more than they are. Aside from drop-down receptions, not too much action, is Miles Sanders considered a better running back? Maybe there is a shift going on there. Maybe uh, Chuba Hubbard was used in a mop-up scenario, even though... Um, Carolina came back last night with a late touchdown. Hubbard was on the field for that entire drive, and it was a good drive engineered by Bryce Young. Uh, Hubbard had two carries for 16 yards. He caught all five of his passes for 34 yards. So he was used quite extensively on that last drive when Carolina made it 20-17, to just couldn't get the uh, onside kick but made it closer. I think, was that a push last night on the line? I think it was a three-point line, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah. So I don't think uh, the only guys happy last night were the bookies. They got the juice. Nobody else got anything. Um, Do you see a a little bit more of a role, Duke, with Chuba Hubbard moving forward over Miles Sanders? Well, I think like everybody here in Edmonton, you certainly would like to the – the issue is going to be opportunity because and we, we talk about this basically in every situation across the NFL. Like when a team invests capital into a player, whether it is draft stock, whether it is actual financial um, investment, and that is the case of Miles Sanders, uh, they gave him a contract this summer, four years, over $25 mm. million. And, and we know in the NFL, you know, contracts are far from a sure thing and they can uh, seemingly be severed at uh, at a moment's notice in the snap of a fingers. But the, the Panthers saw enough in Sanders to bring him in and give a running back that long of a deal. That is something. So it, like Hubbard has made more of his opportunities through only a couple weeks, uh, particularly last night. I would say Sanders like only averaging just over three yards per carry. And, and, and that's, Miles Sanders has been one of the more frustrating running backs, I think, whether you're a fantasy owner or uh, an Eagles fan uh, the past number of seasons between his health and then actual effectiveness um, on a week-to-week basis. So I think it's going to just be a matter of Hubbard getting a little more opportunity because he he's shown he has the skill set to take advantage of it. Now, is he going to become an every down back in the NFL? That I'm not necessarily so mm-hmm. sure of. But I, I as the season progresses, if uh, if Hubbard keeps making the most of his chances and Sanders keeps um you know not being super effective all the time, it, it, I could see it moving towards more of a split back duty possibly down there. Um, but only time will tell. For the time being, I think Sanders will will remain the lead back. Here's another one for our uh, listeners to kind of have some interaction. And I thought about this question about five years ago, and you just sort of kind of rang my bell here, Duke. Who would you say are the top Edmonton and area, so Edmonton and area, born and bred athletes of all time? It's a tough question, and it requires a bit of thought. There's two guys that come to mind immediately. One of them you'll probably hear from in about an hour and 
10 minutes. <laughs> so Grant Fuhrer is one of them. Um, but Chuba Hubbard is in the conversation now after his career at Oklahoma State. Um, anyone on the top of your mind? Well, yeah. The fear, second one is fear pretty easy was, too. Fear was right there. Yeah. And then, of course, um, Messier being yeah. the other uh, one that jumps right to the top of the mind. But th- there have been a lot yeah. of very successful NHL players come out of this area. That's the automatic one because we don't see a lot of um, success. But, I mean, like, uh, Alfonso Davies, of course, not um, maybe uh, given the yeah. – um, stipulations you said wouldn't fall into this category, but of course, growing up here and uh, uh, calling Edmonton home. Mm-hmm. Um, in That's terms the of stipulation, it, born and born uh, and raised, yeah. right? So yeah. it uh, he, he would kind of be eliminated, but otherwise I think he'd be a strong contender. For sure. um, it's tough to, he said, I'd have to do a little bit of digging to, to drum up a name maybe outside of the realm of hockey, I think. Cause it, it's again, and, that, and when I used the question about five years ago, you have to put it into context, okay? Uh, and this was when Chuba Hubbard was up for the Doak Award for top running back in, in NCAA. And there were a couple of whispers of Heisman when he was having a great season a few years back. So that's kind of when I posed the question. And I actually, I, I posed it to Terry Jones of the uh, Edmonton Sun. I said, where would you rank this guy? And take it into context that there hasn't been anyone like that outside of hockey. No one has even come close to achieving what Chuba Hubbard did at the NCAA level and then moving forward to the NFL level. Hey, if you got a, a an athlete you think, uh, send us off a text, one 401 1440 Excuse me. Um, what did you think about... Uh, um, the the comment from David Alter regarding Noah Gregor. I, I thought it was, you know, he said 50-50. Now, the thing is when you go on a PTO, not you're just, you're trying out for the entire league. So most, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it's happened many times, many times where guys have been in one camp and then it doesn't work out for them there, but another team grabs them. Christopher Stieg's one was here, went down to Calgary. Um, so I think, he said 50-50. I think he's got a little better chance than that. Yeah, with with Toronto specifically, I would say 50-50 is maybe accurate. But And once again, we, we are fully aware we come across as uh, as biased when speaking about Noah Gregor, a, a local product, and of course Jason's nephew. But mm-hmm. I, I don't even think it should be considered biased because we've seen what he can do at the NHL level, level a really effective player, great motor, uh, has some finishing ability. So... I, I think it would be silly for him not to land on an NHL roster by the time the season gets going, whether it be with Toronto or um, or elsewhere. But yeah, that that Leafs lineup is deep. That would be the only issue I see in uh, in landing there. And maybe um, if he has other offers come in where he gets a little more opportunity, maybe may, not probably not on quite as competitive as a team. But uh, it it would be I'd be interested to see what um, mm-hmm. uh, his thought process would be if he does get some more offers come in. But yeah, the Leafs I think fifty fifty is probably a fair fair mm-hmm. um, uh, mark to put it at. Text coming in: uh, Who is the who are the greatest, the best uh, born and bred athletes from Edmonton, born and raised in Edmonton and area? Uh, Johnny Busick. Uh, great great answer. Um, one of the greatest Boston Bruins of all time. Daryl says, um, Brian Fryer. That's uh, the Dragon Keeper. Uh, another, th- these are great answers. Uh, Messier, top career results of Edmonton area athlete. Yes, the Duke, we talked about that. Now, here is one that is really 
cool. Bob McDermott. Um, Bob's a double amputee golfer. Quick story on Bob. Uh, lucky enough to do several stories with Bob over the years. Uh, he was uh, doing some farming when he was younger. Um, believe a, an auger struck a, a power line. Uh, so when he was on the farm, uh, he was electrocuted. Um, the ambulance came to grab uh, Bob and, and, and to take him to the hospital. It was in the middle of a massive thunderstorm, rainstorm. Um, the, the ambulance on the way to the hospital hit the ditch in the rainstorm. Bob flew out of the back of the ambulance on the gurney. Now, I, maybe another ambulance had to come. I can't remember the story. Gets him to the hospital. So Bob had to, he was a double amputee from the knee down and then from the arm down on, I think it's his left hand. So he has a, a little special kind of a, a, an attachment that hooks up to this golf club. And what did he do? Went on to be a world champion amputee golfer. He has won the men's championship at the Belvedere Golf and Country Club for able-bodied. He is beating all. He's beat all of the guys at the club championship for several years. Now, Bob's a little, he's getting up there in, in age now, uh, but this was several years ago. Truly an inspiration. Uh, Bob McDermott, yeah, he, he gets my vote. Cool story. We'll get Bob on the show because I, I got his number. And real cool story. Um, but that's a great, great answer from one of our texters. Kurt Browning, another one. Uh, it's kind of, we've kind of piqued some interest uh, here for sure. We'll get to some of those a little bit later in the show. At the top of the hour, we will uh, check in with Mark Spector on the mark, powered by Booster Juice. Uh, but before, let's just pump the brakes. Uh, this uh, Sports 1440 update is brought to you by First Round. You can watch NFL football at First Round Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays. And you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.